Hi, it's Bob Oopsher, and this is the Gaining Perspective Podcast, where we bring you insightful conversations with some of the top thought leaders in the investment advisor profession and investment management industry. I am the founder and CEO of Advisor Perspectives. The COVID pandemic has tested the leadership of firms throughout the financial services industry. Leaders have been charged with the challenges of shifting operations and technology to a virtual environment, responding to a surge in client and prospect inquiries, and motivating their team of employees to deliver a quality service amid the challenges we all face to our health and to the health of our families. I'm talking today with the CEO of a prominent independent advisor wealth management platform who will talk about those challenges and how he and his team have met them. James Poor is president and chief executive of Kestra Financial. He is dedicated to helping independent financial advisors fulfill client goals through a unique integration of technology and service. Kestra Financial serves independent financial advisory firms with varying business affiliations, including RIAs and hybrid advisors. Before we begin, let's hear from our sponsor who makes this podcast possible. This podcast is brought to you by Kestra Financial. Now more than ever, you need smart technology that fits the way you work. Now more than ever, you need a partner that finds pathways, not roadblocks. And now more than ever, you need an independent advisor wealth management platform to be invested in you and your success. So now more than ever, you need Kestra. Request a meeting and find out how you can soar with Kestra by visiting its website at kestrafinancial.com. James, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with Kestra, tell me a little bit more about your firm and how you came to lead it. Sure. Thanks, Bob. Um, The organization has actually been around for years, and until 2016, we're actually part of um, a large insurance distribution company called NFP. And as we continue to grow our wealth management business and NFP continue to have great success growing in the insurance world, it just made sense to separate the businesses. So we spun uh, the wealth management business out to be an independent organization in 2016 and um, have been blessed with great success attracting some of the best advisors in the industry to uh, to give us the opportunity to serve their business. Well, I know that Kestra has a very strong reputation uh, throughout the advisor community. So let's talk about how the crisis unfolded. What steps did you and your executive team put into action to enable and manage a remote team during the crisis while it, while it was in the peak of its uh, crisis mode? And what, is taught, what has it taught you about the culture and people uh, that you have at your company? The most important steps that we took in terms of preparing for the crisis were the ones that we took early uh, before it even happened. And that was really one of preparation and one of understanding um, potential risks and how to manage to them. By no means did we ever um, strategize around a global pandemic, um, but we had put a lot of thought into other potential challenges that we could face and how would we solve to them. Typically, those would be around inclement weather or um, um, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, um, or perhaps even earthquakes. 
and what, where you would just move to another location, put people in that location and stand up your organization. Fortunately, our preparation for those events empowered us to move quickly in COVID-19, even though it was a dramatically different um, event because you had to set your organization up in a way where no one could be around anyone else. And so I give really high marks to our technology team and its planning, equipping us with the best technology and resources um, to do so. And we were able to stand the company up quick, um, move people to working at home with almost no interruptions. Um, and our advisors who we serve didn't even miss a beat or know that we had made that change. Talk about the, the communication issues that you faced and how did you achieve the level of transparency that you needed to during the, the time of crisis? Anytime there's a crisis, no matter what sort it is, um, communication is everything at all levels. It's critical um, at all times. Leaders have to inspire confidence, even if people aren't looking for it at that moment. Um, at some point, they will be looking for it. So we put communication as a top priority in our strategy. So there are a few things that we did that I believe made a difference. So first, as, a C, as the CEO, I videoed a weekly message um, to employees to keep them up to date on precautions, how we will decide when and how to go back into the office and other critical decisions that would impact them. I also took the time to sing the praises of individuals and teams um, that were really stepping up when we needed them to. I also did a weekly communication for our advisors to keep them posted on how we were managing the crisis and what sort of resources we had available to them. And then, then uh, finally for them, we built a constant stream of rich content um, that we put in front of them, educated them on it so that we could empower them to be informative communicators to their clients. And there were varying degrees, um, to varying degrees, we'll continue to keep a lot of these formats. Um, but that's really what we did is it's just constant meeting and constant communication to let people know where we are and what we're doing. It's interesting. I think there are a lot of practices that were developed during this crisis that will have a life that will far exceed the duration of the crisis. So you did uh, video messages for your team. You, you praised uh, uh, individuals or, or groups of people. What else did you do to instill confidence in your team during the crisis? Sure. So look, it's just touching them. So it's, it's making sure that um, they knew that we were focused on continuing to move the business forward, um, really being transparent and opening up um, what will this do to the economics of the organization? We're fortunate to be very balanced from a revenue and earnings standpoint. So while all companies will take a little step back in their revenues, um, we still remain very strong with a lot of liquidity and a strong balance sheet. We shared that with our employees. And then we shared with them, frankly, that we don't have all the answers, um, but what we're not going to do is take any unnecessary risk with their health or the health of their families. And by communicating on a regular basis, um, taking questions, um, not only did I do those videos, but I also had uh, set in on regular team meetings via Zooms. Um, and then we've kept up a lot of our normal activities. So we have a quarterly company meeting. We did that virtually. 
Um, every month I have employee lunches where if you got hired in March or April, I have lunch with that group of people. And we still did that. We just did it virtually. And so we tried to maintain a lot of the normal and open up those lines of communication. So you talked about the videos. What other communication or tactics did you implement specifically in terms of uh, the COVID crisis that you think might transcend the, the future state of your business? Yeah, I think, as I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the paths and channels that we built um, to communicate directly um, to both advisors and employees are things that we will keep. So by way of example, I will moving forward, um, send out a regular quick video to all of our advisors. And that's frankly something I wasn't doing before. Um, I will also make sure that I'm doing so with employees especially because we're using this as an opportunity. We've learned so much that we're going to move as much as 60% of our workforce to permanently working at home. Um, and it's something that many of them have enjoyed. So um, there's going to be a lot of very positive um, takeaways where we've um, basically got tossed into a testing environment, um, you know, unbeknownst to us, where we've learned a lot about communication, about the strength of employees, um, about our culture, um, where you know one of our greatest um, uh, points of our culture is grit. And boy, did we show through um, in, in the most amazing way there. Um, and it's really gonna drive a lot of benefits from the organization and all of those that are a part of it. Well, you're going to uh, 60% of employees working virtually. I've um, had a company with 100% virtual uh, employees for, from the beginning 13 years ago. So uh, welcome to the club. Uh, Thanks. So uh, maybe give me an example of how Kestra delivered a better than expected outcome during the crisis. And, uh, and, and what did you learn from it? What do you perceive to be a best practice now that you're managing through the crisis? Sure. Um, our service levels have been incredible and quite frankly, haven't missed a beat. Our team on the front lines, um, you know, our, both our tech um, and um, service teams, to their credit, um, have done just an amazing job remobilizing, et cetera. So um, what has happened with our advisors, we've gotten a ton of amazing feedback of, oh, you guys have done this great. And then what we realized is even though we communicated it, you know, they're busy folks on their businesses. So sometimes they may not hear or see the, all the communication. A lot of them did not even know that we had 570 people all working from their homes. And many of them said that they felt there was an, even an increase in um, an enhanced um, level of service. And so, you know, we found that pretty incredible. And, you know, we have all of the appropriate tools to measure, you know, hold time, service time, service quality, et cetera. All of those marks have stayed well above our service level um, goals and um, have just been great takeaways. So um, what we found is, you know, you have to be willing to turn conventional wisdom on its head. Um, and you have to have, in terms of that best practice you mentioned, best practices moving forward is maximum flexibility and the ability to empower employees and advisors to set up shop anywhere and operate at a high level. And that's what we've taken away. And that's how we've been able to operate. 
uh, managing 570 remote workers in a virtual environment, that is quite a challenge. Um, so I want to come back to uh, what you said earlier about the economics of your business. You said that uh, you, like many others, might face a, a hit in your revenue. So um, in, in addition to the well-being of your employees, your economics are obviously a primary concern. How did you balance keeping expenses in check and cash flow reserves with the emotional needs of the company? Sure. So, you know, um, having also managed this organization through the 0809 crisis, <clears throat> first, I knew that cash was king. Part of managing this crisis was born in the last one, to be quite honest with you. We spent 13 years building a balanced revenue model um, that is not overly dependent on any one source. We have a lot of ways to win in this organization. And that, frankly, has given us a lot of flexibility and strength in our balance sheet. Um, there's plenty of organizations out there in our business and other businesses that are overly dependent on, you know, specific revenue lines. Um, and we've built a balanced organization. So, again, the advice I would give anyone is um, getting through a crisis um, effectively has to start way before the crisis. Um, moreover, what we did is we just tapped the brakes for eight weeks um, on big spins and investments until we you know, had really solid modeling around liquidity, cash flows. And now we're starting to ease back into that growth strategy um, and um, building strategy um, so that we can continue to forge the company forward. So you talked about uh, being prepared before the crisis and tapping the brakes when necessary. And I know that businesses are, are often not as prepared as they should be for the unexpected. What advice would you give to others to be prepared for these unforeseen circumstances? What specifically can businesses do? <laughs> sure. Um, I believe as Yogi Berra said, uh, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Um, and, you know, what? when I always hear that quote, which I, I love, what I mean and what I think about is um, build a plan, make decisions and stick to them. I mean, you have to take action. Understand that indecision is a decision. Get get your head out of the sand, make decisions, and communicate. Moreover, as I just mentioned, don't wait for the crisis to figure out what to do. Game plan scenarios. Know, know ahead of time how you're going to react and build business models that aren't overly dependent on single revenue streams. Um, you know, we didn't plan for that global pandemic, but planning for other potential challenges really empowered us to pivot and keep running at the highest levels when a global pandemic showed up. So build a plan, make decisions and stick to them. Many leaders have problems with that. They just freeze in the face of a crisis. What is the best way to not just manage a crisis, but it's to stay ahead of it? And if you, if you can't accurately predict what roadblocks truly lie ahead, how can you stay prepared and keep moving forward at the same time? Sure. You know, there's several crisis management models um, that leaders can find just, you know, by by Googling. Um, most of them focus on five or six sort of core work streams. Um, those are typically protect your employees and customers, stress test financials, defend your revenues, stabilize your operations and seek opportunities. Um, and I put that one in there because you always have to make sure you're thinking offensively. Um, so what we did is we took those sort of five or six work streams. We built a crisis management team and I put a trusted leader in front of it. I put my general counsel in charge of it. Um, we meet weekly. 
um, more more often, um, you know, we, we have a prioritization um, uh, typical um, chart that puts important and urgency on a scale so that we focus first on the most important and urgent matters. Um, and then we divide up work streams. And so managing us through COVID-19 has been a significant um, portion of several executives' jobs over the last three months. Um, you know, a, the leader of a company shouldn't try to do everything, um, but should focus on communication, stabilizing the operations and the economics, and then thinking about offense. And if you have the right team around you, you'll be able to really manage through that crisis well and be ready to go on the offense when it's time. So the key was building a great team of direct reports, giving them the uh, the responsibilities and the ownership to to solve the domains that they were in charge of. So stepping back here, we've seen entire industries that have been paralyzed. The global economy is still highly uncertain. We've got 35 million or more Americans who are out of a job. What are you doing to remain focused on growth for the long term, despite all this turmoil that's going on around us? Sure. First, you know, I I hate that so many people are experiencing so much pain. Um, You know, in my experience, all growth in terms of revenue shows up in some other form first, like new accounts opened. Um, so you're going to see new accounts open before you benefit from the revenue of those accounts. In other words, leaders should be tracking those measures and to determine the health and to understand what sort of pent up revenue you may be building. Um, so if market volatility is keeping revenue low, but you know you're opening, opening sort of net positive new accounts, you know that you're building growth in your organization. Also, M&A will be important for those able to execute um, and for those that have the balance sheets to do so. COVID-19 is most certainly going to drop more industry consolidation. What's the number one message that you would leave with small business owners and their leadership as it relates to managing through a crisis? Sure. Um, You know, I I think you have to listen. Um, You know, we did poll surveys. Um, to advisors and clients to make sure that we knew what was going on. Um, You have to communicate, you have to build a plan, and you have to execute and make hard decisions. Interesting. We also, one of the things we did to respond to this crisis was we uh, aggressively ramped up our research capabilities to be able to poll advisors so we understood what our readership needed, and it sounded like you were doing the same thing. So we'll include a link to the Kestra website in the notes that accompany this podcast for those who would like more information about Kestra and its services. James, is there there anything else you'd like to add? The only thing I'd add is I encourage people just to take action. Let this be a wake-up call to do some of the things that you knew you should have done but never got around to. Um, And keep in mind, these actions will drive the value of your company. Preparation is everything. Um, don't, Don't sit in your hands and think, you know, there's just brighter days ahead. Take those actions necessary to continue to build great companies. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for listening to the Gaining Perspective podcast with Bob Upshur today, featuring featuring James Poor of Kestra Financial. To support our podcast, please share, subscribe, or leave a review to help make our podcast more findable for your friends and colleagues. You can subscribe to Gaining Perspective on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher.